Okay, good morning. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Lav, Lev, Lama Bez, in Masechet Pesachim, but we fell behind. We are only 11 lines down from the top of Lamed Aleph, Lamed Bez, and today, God willing, we'll do some catching up. We, we want to finish the day saying that we're lines from the bottom of Lamed Bez, Lamed Bez. So let's see. Um, when we finish off, just finishing off one uh, topic before we get to the middle of the page, and then we get to miscellaneous topics, we were talking about the Picadon. We were saying that if a Jew has the, right, the Picadon, if the Jew has... Um, the pikadon of, of another Jew, so then, then he ha- then he can in fact say that he owns that pikadon. In other words, the question we had yesterday was um, not to get all the way deep, but when somebody has collateral in somebody else's possession, is it as if the lender owns the collateral, or is or is the borrower still holding on to his collateral? So we said all of this discussion really only has to do with Jew on Jew, where it, whereas when a lender is a non-Jew, we certainly say that he does not own the collateral, okay? We were, we were questioning whether if a Jew lends to a non-Jew, is it that the Jew still owns the collateral even though he had lent to a non-Jew? But certainly, if a non-Jew lent to a Jew, he does not own the collateral. That's where we left off. That idea that a non-Jew cannot own the collateral is against seemingly our Mishnah, because you might recall, in our Mishnah we had a Jew and a non-Jew and the Chameh in between them, and we learned it in both directions. And we basically learned that wherever, right, the Chameh is, we learned like Abaye, Lamafreya, right, that, that whoever the lender is, it's as if he owns the collateral, such that if the um, lender was a non-Jew, it's as if the non-Jew owns the collateral and there would be no problem of Chamesh Shavar Lava Pesach, because Chamesh Shavar Lava Pesach, if it's in the possession of a non-Jew, is okay. And that becomes the question that we ask 11 lines from the top of the Alpha Beis as follows. Here we go, it's none. We learned in our Mishnah. So that's the case, right? The, the non-Jew lent the Jew money uh, with the Chamesh as collateral. And sure enough, our Mishnah said, this is the core of our Mishnah, that that is not going to have an issue of Chamesh Shavar Lava Pesach. It's going to be Mutter Bahana after Pesach. Says the Gemara, now, granted, we know that the, the mission is talking about a case where, in fact, the chametz is physically in the possession of the non-Jew. That's true. But still, that doesn't explain the, uh, the din in our Mishnah. Because, after all, we said that a non-Jew does not, does not acquire the security, right? That the non-Jew, when it comes to collateral, has no rights to that collateral um, during, during the time that, for, of the transaction. So then, if the nachri has no rights to the collateral, then it's as if that collateral which in this case is that chametz, belonged to the Jew all along, and therefore there should be a violation of chametz she'avar lava pesach. Says the Gemara lo kasher. This is not, uh, we're going to resolve this difficulty as follows. This is a unique case. Our Mishnah is talking to a unique case where the Jew, and who in this case was the borrower, explicitly said to the non-Jew when he deposited the chametz with the non-Jew, he, he explicitly said that from the time, right, if I default on this loan, this chametz is going to be yours, retroactively to now, to the time of the transaction. Um, right, so then you might ask what the cheddish of the Mishnah is. Okay, but the Cheshire of the Mishnah perhaps is that once he says, Me'achshav, so then it is in fact considered, even though the Jew has not yet defaulted yet on his loan, because of the fact that he said, Me'achshav, it's considered as if it is the non-Jew's chametz, and therefore there'll be no issue of Chamesh Pesach. However, the low Amalei Me'achshav, the other case, right, where we're talking about the Brisa, right, our Mishnah is a case where he said Me'achshav. The Brisa, where we, where we learn the idea that a Jew's uh, collateral Right, is never owned by a non-Jew, is when he doesn't say me'achshav. When he doesn't say me'achshav, then of course, the non-Jew will have no claim to it, okay? And now we're gonna bring support to this distinction as follows. And where could we learn the shani Where do we learn this distinction between when he said me'achshav and not, that we just mentioned? The Tanya, because we learned the following verse. You have a Gentile, he's depositing a loaf of bread um, with the Jew as collateral. The Jew is not violating chametz on Pesach. That's amazing. What do you mean? He's holding on to a collateral that's chametz. How is he not violating anything? But if the non-Jew says, 
it is yours, then the Jew does violate. Over. We say, it has to be, of course, the case of, that, of this particular price is backwards where the guy is giving the chametz. But be that as it may, it must be that in that case he said, he must say that that case, right, the only way to explain that particular b'risa is where me'akshav was, in fact, employed, and therefore this idea of me'akshav is supported by the b'risa, and now the world is back on its axis and everything makes sense. Yes, we can learn from that that there is such a distinction, and so you learn something uh, about me'akshav here in our page. Okay, so now we're in the middle of the page. Tanar um, and not related, uh, well, related, but a, a new topic. In Israel, when you say something is in stock, we say it's bamlai, it is in stock. Right, so what's going on here? So you have a J- Jewish store, right? And it's stocked with the merchandise that the Jew owns. And who are the workers? The workers are the non-Jews over there. So So you find random chametz and you don't know, is it from the workers or is it from the storehouse or from the Jews stuff? So we say, we're going to assume that whoever owns the store and whoever's merchandise, that is, that is the more prevalent merchandise and therefore we have to assume that it's Jewish owned and therefore it's going to be usher. It's going to be treated like chametz over Pesach. Certainly it's going to be usher b'anah. Certainly it's going to be usher b'achila. But the converse is also true. In other words, whoever owns the store and whoever merchandise it is, it's going to be overwhelmingly uh, assumed that it's not the lunch, the, the lunch that the workers packed that is laying around, but rather the merchandise that they stock. So again, the converse is also true. If the store is owned by a nachri, and the merchandise belongs to nachri, in that case, the Jewish, uh, the, the workers are the Jews. So then, if you find random chametz, you didn't know what the source is, you can assume that it's okay. And it takes the whole converse all the way back, um, the logic backwards and forwards here, like a palindrome, where if it's certainly it's going to be which is to say, it's assumed that this chametz is the merchandise of the nachri. Because he was the store owner and it was his merchandise. Next, Mishnah. We know that sometimes you can't really access your chametz, right? You have chametz and it's behind something, it's behind a ruin, it's somewhere where it's not accessible. Well, if it's not accessible, then you're, then you're not going to have to do Rebidika because you can't even get to it. So what happens if you have chametz and a, and a ruin collapsed on it? So do you have to access it or not? At what point do you have to dig for it? So in principle, says the Mishnah, Harehu Kimivor. In principle, it's considered as if it's completely Mivor, it's, right, you did Badika, you did everything, and you got rid of it. It's as if it doesn't exist. However, Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel qualifies it and says, Oimer, kol she'en hakelev yochal l'chapes acharov. There he is, the dog. Um, if the dog can't, right, um, reach it, so then it's going to be okay. But if the dog can reach it, then the dog will reach it. You can almost be sure that Birnbaum's dog Poppy is going to go and get the chametz and then it's going to be laying around. So therefore, the qualification or, right, um, in order to be considered totally inaccessible is whether a dog can reach it or not. Ask the Gemara, Amar of Chist of Itzar. The thing about a dog is that it's a retriever by nature, some dogs, and it's going to take it out and then you're going to have to deal with the bread. Mice is going to keep it for themselves, Goranowitz. The return of Goranowitz. Okay, Rechista is going to point, make a very important point. Amar of Chist of Itzar, right, that certainly um, you can you could treat it as if bedika, let's say, took place, but not bittel, right? You have to still do the act of bittel. Why? Because as Rashi explains, it might become uncovered, right? And you certainly don't want that to happen. And so bedika has been done, uh, in essence, by the fact that the, right, by, by this avalanche on top of the chametz, but the bittel you still have to do. Okay. Now let's do parameters here for Shimon Gamliel. He talks about the dog, right, Karanowitz? So the question is, how deep does it have to be for a dog to not retrieve it? Says the Bryce of Tana. We learned the Bryce of Kamacha Pisas HaKelev. How deep is this burial? Shloshet Fachim. So now we have a shear. Shlosh to fucking deep or more, it's okay. However, the Mara Unbelievable, I don't think this would be true today. But if I was watching your money, Barry, uh, in order to be considered a, a proper Shomer, I would have to bury it in the ground. That, because if, let's say, I left it out 
or I left it in the cupboard, and God forbid somebody came and stole it, it would be my, as a shomer, as a guardian of your money, it would be my responsibility, because I did not do my due diligence to guard your money, because I simply put it in the cupboard unguarded. So these are halachos in shomerim here, okay? That is a brisa, right? So we get familiar here uh, with halachos of shomerim. If I did not bury your money, uh, then, it's, then it's going to be considered as if I didn't do my due diligence and I'll be responsible. In order to properly watch your money, I have to bury it. I don't know if we do that today, we have safes now. Anyways, so that's the only time I'm considered to be a good enough shomer for your money. So the case there asks the Gemara, so just like we have in our mission with regards to chametz that it needs to be three talking in the ground, do we also have to bury this money when we're watching it for somebody else, three talking in the ground? Answers the Gemara, now the reason why chametz needs to go three talking deep is because chametz has an aroma. The, the name of the cafe in Israel. It has an odor that the right dog is going to sense, and therefore it has to be even deeper. However, money doesn't smell that way. The whole so it's two different physical realities. The physical reality of food is that it has an odor and therefore it needs to be buried three fucking deep. The physical reality of money is that we just don't want it to be seen. Once it's concealed in the ground, nobody knows that it's there, and that's the whole point. So therefore, the depth doesn't have to be three fucking. It can be only one tefach. Says the Gemara. It gave it away. It doesn't require full three fucking. Bechama asks the Gemara, how deep does it have to be? Rafram Bar Papa turns out lived in Sichra. And his answer was tefach. It has to be a tefach deep. Unfortunately, Rabari Leibowitz, uh, the great Dafyomi master, had to point out uh, different napkins over here for burial, human burial, the Holocaust, all, all, all the kinds of tragic things. The question is, how deep is, is burial? Is considered buried? Not for now, but this is uh, the burial Mishnah. Okay, next Mishnah. Uh, Kalman, I hope you made it this far because Kalman is... Um, is in a, a sort of a quarantine situation, but he loves Truma, so we're gonna get the Truma. And in um, an introduction to this, we have to explain that not only, Andrew, I, I've been meaning to tell you this, not only are you not allowed to eat Truma because you're in Israel, and, and really one of the best Israeli that, of Kleistral that we have, but an Israel nonetheless, you're not allowed to eat Truma. Now, when you eat, if you were to inadvertently, and of course you would never do it on purpose, so if you inadvertently ate the truma that you set aside for a coin, not only is that a violation, but also you now are like, it's as if you stole it from the coin. You owe him money. Not only that, but the Pasuk mentions, you owe him chomish. You owe him uh, a knas, right? There's a surcharge for that. 25, chomish happens to sound like 20%, but it's 25% added on for a total aggregate of, of 20% once you've paid it. Okay, so a person who eats truma by accident has to pay the coin an extra chomish. Now, it's be, that's because it's, it's, why would you have to pay chomish? Well, what is that reminiscent of? When somebody steals something, chas and then he returns it, heshev is akzela, pays back as a chomish. So here, it's as if you stole something from the coin, and now you have to pay him back with a chomish. Interesting question. What if said truma was chomish, and the time of the inadvertent eating was Pesach? Well, the Kohen would not be able to eat this Hamid's truma on Pesach. So did you steal something of value from him or not? This is going to be the topic of the Lama Beis. This, is, this takes us into questions of, well, if you ate a B'mezid, Issues of Kimla Bidrava meaning, right? You're not allowed to eat chametz on Pesach, obviously. Does that Avera overshadow the Avera of stealing the Truma? Um, a lot of other topics, as we'll see, a bunch of moving parts that makes this so incredibly interesting. Um, but let's first start with the Mishnah as, a, as the backdrop. So you have any Israel, he's not supposed to be eating Truma. He's certainly not supposed to be eating chametz because it's Pesach. And he's doing this all on Shogeg. The question is, is the chametz Bishogeg or not? The Gemara will address it. But the eating of the Truma was certainly, he did not realize that that's what he was doing. That was a Shogeg. Okay, Mishalam Karen Bachomish. So amazingly, the Mishnah says, you do have to pay the Karen Bachomish to the Kohen. Okay, Ben Mezid. However, if he eats the Truma deliberately, then Pater Metashlumim Midme eats him. Not only does he not have to pay back for the principle of the amount that he ate of the Truma, but also he doesn't have to repay the, the value 
the may hates him is how much eat, let's say you can't eat the truma but let's say you used it as firewood so it still has some value but he's puffed from that as well the, let's go into the gemara so we can see exactly what this case is the mission here is very bare bones the gemara has to really flesh it out so without further ado it's not hasam two lines up from the olive and base the bottom not hasam we learned the mission there where's this mission of truma because we're talking about truma person eats truma as we, the mission says he has to make a kind of chomish. As we arrive on the base of the aleph, right? This is talking about any form of hana, eating, drinking, right? Anointing yourself with it. It's going to be azar. Interestingly enough, whether it is tame or tahor, mishalam chomish. Now it's interesting, right? Because truma tamea is, is the coin is not going to eat the truma tamea, but we'll see why he has to do so. So be that as it may, the mission says in truma that you have to pay a chomish. We'll see the scriptural source for this, which is just another detail, which is that if this person was so out of it that not only did he uh, eat the, the truma, but he also ate the additional chomesh that he was supposed to pay back, so then he has to pay chomesh on that, okay? And, 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 then, and then maybe a chomesh on that, as Birmam says, at sofa okay? So you're gonna have to pay the chomesh, you have to pay chomesh if you ate the chomesh as well, fine. So now, so, so far all we said is that you have to pay with chomesh if you consume the truma, but the Gemara asks, this is going to be really the essential question that's going to be the backdrop of a lot of our analysis. When you repay a chomish, are you, pay, are you repaying according to volume consumed or monetary value? What's the difference? Let's see. So the Gemara says, first of all, let's qualify this question. Any time, right, that you, let's say you had, you consumed this truma, Right, uh, take it, you know, don't get, don't let the fact that it's truma, uh, psych you out, or if you're common, don't let it psych you in. The, the issue here is simply a monetary issue. You consume something, right now we're just treating it like regular theft, right? You consume something that was four zuzim in value, and then it devalued for whatever reason. There was a, there's a, there's a crash, and it devalued. So certainly, when that, when that's the case, the you're certainly not going to only pay back a zuz. Again, when you consumed it, it was worth, for Zuzim. When you're paying it back by some, um, for some reason it was so devalued that the same amount of Truma was devalued to one Zuz. You, at the time, however, caused the owner, or the coin, as it were in this case, to lose four Zuzim. You're certainly not going to give him back less than that, okay? Because that was the actual, right, damage that you caused him. As the Gemara says, the Logara mi Gazlan. Because certainly a Gazlan, we know, we're going to see, as the Gemara is going to say over here, from the Mishnah in Babakama, we know that the Gazlanim, right, we may as well read it inside, it's not, like going to the Mishnah of Babakamim, call HaGazlanim Mishalim Kishasa Gazela. Anytime somebody steals something, he never pays back less than how much he, right, damaged uh, the owner at the time of the theft. He never pays less than that. That's going to be the minimum, right? Okay. So therefore, we're never we're not going to say the person who's truma is going to pay less than a goslin. Like an like a like a straight up goslin is the baseline. Okay. So So therefore, the question of whether it was value or volume is never going to be uh, determined that you end up paying less than the original value at the time of the theft. But rather, says the Gemara, When is this case? Oh. So if at the time of the theft, right, the converse case, at the time of the theft, it was worth only a zuz, and then now you're, when you're looking to get uh, to pay back, there was an appreciation of this item, and now you'd have to pay back four zuz to compensate for the zoos that he took. My. So in that case, what is the halakha? Like Wall Street, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we're talking, yeah, it sounds like we're talking stocks here. Do you inadvertently, um, right, so, so do you pay according to the volume that you consumed? And therefore, if you pay according to the volume you consumed, you're going to be paying a lot more. The Amalei Griva, Achal Griva Mishalim, right? The Griva is a particular measure. So you say that amount, right? You ate, you ate a meter, you ate a pound, and you have to pay back a pound. Well, it's, it used to be a dollar pound. Now it's four dollars a pound. So do we say that doesn't matter? A pound is a pound. You have to pay back uh, the four dollars. Or you can say, listen, you only ate a dollar's worth of truma, 
and therefore says the Gemara. And therefore, if all you ate was a dollar's worth then, so all you have to give him back is a dollar's worth now, because at the end of the day, he only lost a dollar. The fact that it appreciated, is that the Goslin's problem? So maybe it is, maybe it isn't. So that's the question. Do you go based on the volume or do you go based on the value? Okay. So eventually, what does that have to do with anything? We're going to circle this back to our Mishnah and we're going to bring it as a data point to address this issue. But first, we're going to get a little deeper into it. Amar of Yosef, Tashma. Let's, let's try to resolve that issue from the following Brisa. So he said, the Brisa says, if a person ate grogros, which is pretty cheap, dry figs, and then he paid back with juicy dates, which are more valuable, that's a beautiful thing to do. It's beautiful to be able to compensate somebody um, in a more magnanimous way than what you took, right? Like, let's say I borrow something from you and I give it back like in better condition than it was. Okay. So, people want what they got. They, they like what they have. They don't care about other things. Uh, so that's interesting. But be that as it may, at least from the perspective of the person that returned it, he was doing, he, he did it with a full and magnanimous heart. And that's why, right, Bryce says, we're going to bless this guy. But the Gemara says, to say that you're going to, right, praise this guy only makes sense if he's giving back the same volume after all. If he's giving back the same value, then he didn't really do anything magnanimous at all. He just didn't have grogers to return, so he gave it back the value in figs. But if he gave back the same volume, well, those dates are going to be more valuable. And therefore, that's why we praise him. That's what, yeah, that's what it says. Until the bracha. I can understand. This sounds like, in other words, the Gemara is saying this price sounds like you pay back volume. Because if you pay back volume, that's why you're giving him a bracha. Because he gave back something more valuable than he took. He ate, right, a pound of grogros, which only worth a dollar, and he gave back a pound of tamarim, which were worth four dollars. What a nice guy. But if you say that the payback is just monetary, so I might have all of bracha. Why are we praising this guy? He ate a dollar's worth and he gave back a dollar's worth. So why are we making such a big deal of this guy? So Abayah says it's not really a proof. No, you can still say that he gave back the same amount that he ate, but rather I might have all of bracha. But why are we still praising him? means something that is um, that is desirable in the marketplace. In other words, even if you eat a pound of whatever. Right, so like you have something that not that people don't normally like, right? So you ate whatever you, you took. You took something people don't normally like, but it's worth a dollar, and you gave it back. And you gave back something people love that's worth a dollar. So then that is actually still, even though it's the same monetary value, says Abaye, it is still um, a nice thing to do because you gave back something that's more readily sellable or more desirable, even though it's the same monetary value. It is enough to uh, get a bracha just for that. Okay, so. Right, like you stole an Android, you gave back a, an iPhone of the same value. I don't know, there's some people who are very talking about this. Okay, Tanan. Okay, so now we learn. So now we get back to our Mishnah, and we're going to see, does that our Mishnah teach this, uh, have any reflection on this idea of volume versus value? Let's see. We said, We said that if a person, right, that's our, straight up our Mishnah. A person ate Truma that was Chameitz and Pesach, so he has to give back Karen B'chomesh. So we say, wait a minute, the Truma's Chameitz, say it outside first, is valueless, right, because you can't eat it at the time. So it doesn't even have any value. So if you're paying back Karen B'chomesh, it must be that we're not looking at the value, but it, rather we're looking at the volume. That's what our Gemara is going to say. We say, Right, if you're saying that you pay back volume and not value, then it makes sense that you have to pay Karen B'chomesh. Because after all, you did take this volume. But if you're going to say that you pay back the monetary value, so Chomesh Pesach has no monetary value. It's also about no, it's also about everything. So Gemara says, and no, it could still be referring to Chomesh Pesach. Why? Unbelievable. Our Mishnah, perhaps, when it says that you have to pay back Karen B'chomesh for Truma of Chomesh on Pesach, is according to Rabbi Yossi Aglili, and Rabbi Yossi Aglili has an outlier Shita that nobody holds like, but our Mishnah is quoting him. What's that cheetah? The Amar Chametz Bepesach Mutter Behana. Did you know that? I mean, we had all the psukim that said Chametz Bepesach is also Behana. But Rabbi Yossi Aglili doesn't hold that limit. Amazingly, we already learned this, by the way. So Rabbi Yossi Aglili, <laughs> Rabbi Yossi Aglili holds that Chametz Bepesach is Mutter Behana. So therefore, once you say that it's Mutter Behana, then even though you can't eat it, you can get some value out of it. And therefore, when we say we pay back Karen Chametz of Chametz and Pesach, it may not be just purely because we're paying back volume. It might be that we're also paying back value. 
You know, in the Seifa, right, we said that if the person ate the Chametz on Bemezid, that he's putter from paying back anything. Well, if it has value, and we hold the Rabbi Yossi why is he putter for he ate Bemezid? Says the Gemara. Well, I'm just saying what the Gemara says now. E Rabbi Yossi am I putter meant to Shalom Bemezid? So says the Gemara answers, Wow, now it feels like we're learning Ksubis. Or Yeshiva Shemesach, there's no bad Rabbi Nechunya Benachanah. Rabbi Nechunya Benachanah says the following, Tanya, we'll say the Bryson and we'll explain it a little bit. This is a Kimla Durabine idea. I'll say, I'll explain what this means. We know that you have this idea of Kim Okay, so if a person violated, God forbid, an Isra on Shabbos while at the same time destroying his friend's stuff, the Chiv skill of Shabbos overwhelms the Chiv Mamon of the damage, and he doesn't have to pay the money, right? So like, if you, whatever. So, so, so right, so if you burn something, on, you burn somebody's shirt on Shabbos, right, you don't have to pay for the shirt, because then you're going to be burning also, right? Skila, whatever, because, because of the chiv of Misa that you have. Oh. And the has the following chiddush, that that does not only apply to Shabbos, but it, only, but it also applies to Yom Kippur. Now in Yom Kippur, right, that's what we say over here, what that means is that just like Shabbos overwhelms Tashlumim, Yom Kippur also overwhelms Tashlumim. Now Yom Kippur is a chiv karis. It's not the same chiv Misa as Shabbos. Yom Kippur is a chiv karis. So the, the, the lesson that you learn from the Chonyi Ben is that when you violate a chiv karis, you also don't have to pay the monetary value. That is relevant to our Mishnah. Because even if you hold like a Yosef Glili, that the Chametz has monetary value, the safe of our Mishnah is discussing an individual, Khalila eat Chametz Pesach Bemezid. If you ate the Chametz on Pesach Bemezid, you have incurred Chiv Kares, which means that according to the Nechunyim Ben you don't have to pay, and that's why you don't have to pay the Damim to the original owner. And so in order to understand the safe of our Mishnah, you could... Um, bring in Rabbi Yosei Aglila and say that it does have monetary value, and then knock out that chiv to repay the monetary value of the seifa by invoking Rabbi Nechunya ben Akana's din that even the chiv of karis of eating chametz on Pesach is going to overwhelm that monetary value, and therefore you do not have to pay it based on the principle of kimle b'derabim nei. Wow, uh, we're, we're we're doing like a breakneck roller coaster ride through shas now. Okay, so now it could be now the, just to see where we're leaving off here, thirteen lines down in the wide. We're talking now about how this could, right, we just said, we could preserve the Mishnah within the position of Yossi Aglili. Okay, so let's get back to volume versus value as follows. Kitanai. This idea of whether volume versus va- uh, value is actually Machlokas Tanaim, and we're going to see the Tanaim is very similar as follows. Ha'ochel, this is the Brisa. Ha'ochel trumas chametz pesach. You're eating trumas chametz pesach, patr menet shulmim demei eitzim. Okay, Dibir Rabbi Akiva. Oh, there he is. He has an opinion about this. Rabbi Akiva says, you're patr for paying. Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri mechayev, Wait a minute. We know that the halacha is that if, if you, uh, right, just like we referred to that mission in Trumas, right, that if an Israel eats the Truma that he was supposed to give to the coin, that he pays Karen Bechomish. Well, we said that the halacha is, and everybody agrees, that that will be true whether that truma is tame or tahor. Wow. That will be true whether it's tame or tahor. Okay. And so the question that Rabbi Yochanan Manuri is posing to Rabbi Kiva is, well, tame truma is of no use, so you can't eat that. And so the fact that you have to pay back for tame truma should indicate that you should also have to pay back for truma that was chamex on Pesach. Both of them are similar to each other in that they can't, they're inedible. And yet still we see by the tame that you pay, so therefore you should have to pay by the chamex as well. However, Rabbi Kiva points out there's a very big distinction between them. I'm a lover, Rabbi Kiva answered, Lo im amret b'chumat tameh b'shari mosa shana. Are you going to compare Truma Tamea to Chametz? I mean, Truma Tamea, true, you can't eat it, but at least you can use it as firewood, which means it has some value. 
You're going to compare that to chametz. After all, chametz, you not only can you not eat it, you can't even use it to burn. You can't have any anna from the chametz altogether. And so you're comparing truma tamer, which has some value, to chametz that has no value at all. You can't do that. That's not a proof. Truma tamer isn't a proof. The reason I say, says Rabbi Kiva, that you don't have to pay back anything for, for consuming this chametz on Pesach is because it is totally valueless. It can't even be used for firewood as fuel. So halamazedaimes continues Rabbi Kiva. Rather, a better comp. Is not truma tamei, but rather the truma's tutim va'novim shenitma to the grapes and berries that become tamei. Truma right applies to grapes and berries as well. However, there's a special halacha that you may not have known. Mulberries. Yeah, mulberries. Thank you. There's a special halacha uh, that on berries that you're not allowed to, as the gemara here says, There is a special gezera that you're not allowed to get, any, you're not allowed to use mulberries and grapes as firewood. Why? Because they're too juicy, they're not good as firewood, you're going to try to start a fire, you're going to see that it's not working because of the high water content of these berries, and you're going to say it's no use, and you know what you're going to do in a moment of, um, in a moment of weakness, you're going to turn these mulberries into a smoothie, and you're going to end up drinking it, or eating it. So they said, these mulberries and these grapes are off limits um, for hasaka, for firewood, and therefore the, the special gazer, and that's why Rabbi Kiva says that these berries are in fact more comparable to chametz on Pesach, because we have a gazer, by these berries, that they in fact cannot be used not for eating or for firewood because of the special gazera. And in fact, the halacha is that if somebody ate them inadvertently, they don't have to pay back the coin because they were in fact not usable. So that's a perfect comparison. And that's what Rabbi Kiva is saying back. So therefore, so that's what Rabbi Kiva's answer is, okay? Uh, and aside here, it, the Gemara says, is, um, what's going on here? What the Gemara is just pointing out, what is this case where the truma can be chametz? Just as an aside, when you're talking about truma being chametz, at what point did it become chametz? It must be that he separated the truma and at the time they separated, it was not yet chametz, and then all of a sudden the dough rose and it became chametz. Avamafesh truma's chametz, but if during Pesach you separated truma from something that was already chametz, that's not going to work anyway. <laughs> so that's an important aside. Like, right, you can't walk out of here thinking that this is something that became chametz on Pesach. Because why? Because we just have, as an aside, this idea that you can't be mafesh chametz on Pesach, even according to Rabbi Yossi Galili, because, because truma. Right? Chametz can't be consecrated. You can't, you can't put Kedusha on something that is also on Pesach anyway. On Chametz, it's also on Pesach anyway. Anyway, that's an aside. The point is, um, uh, all of a sudden, we chose this moment, right, to point out that our Mishnah that's talking about Truma's Chametz on Pesach has to be talking about this very specific case where the Truma itself became Chametz only after the separation because separation can't be, take, take place on Chametz altogether. Okay. So now, another Brysa, going back to the uh, Chametz Truma. Tanya Ilach, another Brysa. V'nasam l'koyin es ha-kodesh, kodesh. Okay, now we're getting now we're getting granular here. We're getting into the pasuk. This pasuk, right, is going to be um, analyzed now, right, and it's going to we're going to off of the psukim. We're going to determine whether we're talking about volume or value. Actually, I may as well read the pasuk in Vayikra here. kodesh This is clearly our case, right? It says the pasuk in the Torah: a person who eats the kodesh. Uh, as we said, the Yosef Chamishi so I love. See, you see, we're not making it up. This idea of a Chamesh, it's in fact straight up in the Psukim. And then it says, so again, these are, this is going to be the two parts of the Psukim that we're going to focus on. Ishki Yochal Kodesh Mishkaga, first of all, he's eating it, that's important. And then he, and then he has to pay the Chamesh, and it says, la Kohen is a Kodesh. And he has to give it to the Kohen. So one uh, source is going to, one position is going to be focusing on this Ki Yochal, that the person ate it. And the other one is going to be focusing on the end of that same pasuk. It says Vinasan, that he gives to the coin. Let's see. Let's see it inside now. Tanya, here's the price. Vinasan, the coin is a kodesh. You have to repay for eating the truma inadvertently. Says the Gemara, Dabar haroi liyos kodesh. Prad la ochel trumas chametz bepesach. Shapatam in the tashlumim umidmei eitzim. So the first position is that the structure of the pasuk teaches you that in order to have to repay, it has to be something that's fit to be holy, which is the same thing. It has to have the same status. What you are repaying has to have the same status as what you ate. So that says, right, we're going to see this is Rebbe Lezabin Yaakov. That Rebbe Lezabin Yaakov says is to exclude, right, the idea of tr- Tomei Truma 
or I'm sorry, of, of Trumas Chametz, right? The Ron discusses the subtle difference here between Trumas Tamea and Trumas Chametz, because after all, we said Trumas Tamea, you do have to re- repay. Um, but in our case over here, in this price, we're talking about Trumas Chametz. If it's Chametz, then you don't have to pay, because after all, you cannot pay something that is fit to be holy, right? Something that's fit to be Kodesh, you cannot pay, and therefore a person who's Ochel Trumas Chametz, the best actor, uh, is putter from repaying. That's the very Rebbe Yezabin Yaakov. However, Rabbi Lazar Chisma Mechayev, Rabbi Lazar Chisma says that you do have to pay. So, wait a minute. Why do you have to repay? Similar to the conversation that Rabbi Kiva had over here, Rabbi Lezben Yaakov is saying, what hana is there in chametz, trumas, chametz on Pesach? So Rabbi Lazar Chisma answered similarly to what we learned before. These kinds of exchanges are sort of dafyomi gold because we are just repeating it again. So you go a little bit faster. So he says, so, so, so Rabbi Chisma says to Rabbi Lezben Yaakov, what is, right, the trumas, we know you have to pay back. So why, so, so, so therefore, and that is also not edible. So this, we already know where this is going. Same exact dis, uh, kind of discussion. So Amr Allah, so Yaakov answered, The same question that we keep asking. You're going to compare Truma Tamea that can be used as fuel to Chametz that can't even be used as fuel. So Amr Allah, So Rabbi Lazar bin Chism explained, right, that the coin does have some Heter Saka. Why? Why? Whoa, the coin can use this chametz apparently to what? To place it in front of his dog to eat or to burn it, to use it as firewood. Is that really true? So let's see. That sounds like it would only go according to Rabbi uh, Yosef So as we turn to Lambez on Bez, we see the Gemara is going to conclude as follows. Amar Baye, Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov, Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Yochan ben Nuri, all of these, the Nayim, we'll see why he leaves out, uh, um, why, why he doesn't mention all of them. But be that as it may, they all hold the same thing, which is what? You can't have, you can't say, right, because this last phrase made it sound like you hold like a real Aglili, that, that it's mutter bahana, right, because he just said that you can give it to your dog or you can use it as firewood. So Abai explained, no, 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 no. That is a real Aglili, he's off on an island, but that's a Shitas Yochid. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov and Rabbi Yochan ben Nuri and Rabbi Kiva, nobody holds like that. They all hold so then, therefore, what's the machlokes with this firewood? This is the machlokes. Rabbi Kiva sabalafi dalim mishalim. Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri sabalafi mida mishalim. So we say that in fact the machlokes would just simply be whether you pay ver, ver, uh, volume, pay back volume versus value. And therefore, if you pay back by volume, then even if the thing is completely worthless, you still has a volume, right? Has a physical volume to it, and that is the only reason why you have to pay back. So says the Gemara Pshita. Why does Abai have to point this out? Because you might have thought Rabbi Yochanan Minuri Nami Kari Kivas Yerle Damalafi Dami Mishalem. Maybe Rabbi Yochanan held that you have to pay according to Damim. You might have thought the reason Rabbi Yochanan Minuri is Mechayev because he held like Rabbi Yosei Aglili. The Amar Chametz Pesach Mutar Ba'Na because he thought right who holds famously the Chametz is Mutar Ba'Na. Kamash Malan Abai has to set the record straight and said that Rabbi Yochanan Minuri does not hold like Rabbi Yosei Aglili, but rather it is based on this volume versus value. Um, issue. The Gemara asks, wait, maybe it's true that Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri holds like Rabbi Yochanan How do we know that it's a volume versus value issue? The Gemara says, Imkain, the Hadalai Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri, the Rabbi Kiva, Kiyechidim Hadalai Rabbi Lazar Chisma, Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov. Remember, before Rabbi Lazar Chisma, Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov, right, answered, he said that, we, we said that maybe the answer is that he's allowed to have Hanaf from Chavik. And certainly, if that would have been Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri's Shita, then that simply would have been his answer. From the fact that Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri does not say that, we infer that, it, it, that he does not hold like Rabbi Yochanan and simply it's a volume versus value issue. Tw- two dots, 12 lines down, Lama Beis and Beis. Talking about the minimum shear now that you have to eat of Truma in order to be Chayev Chomish. What's the minimum shear? Now we're going to get into that Pasuk. Ha'ochel Kazayis Truma Mishalim Karen Chomish. That we saw, we saw it inside in the Torah. However, there's a machlokas as to what the minimum shear is to incur this chomish penalty, right? The Tanakhama says it has to be a kazayis. Abashol says it has to be a shavapruta. I think a shavapruta probably is less, 
right? Because that's like the minimum amount of payment, okay? So it says to the Gemara, my time at the Tanakama, Amar Kra. The Tanakama is based on the Pasuk. The Ish Ki Yochal Kodesh Mishkaga. We read the Pasuk. A person Ki Yochal. The Achila B'Kazayis. We see that all over the Torah, that any time you have an Isra Achila, it's B'Kazayis. So that's why the Chir for the Chomesh, which is described in the Pasuk, uses the word Achila. Therefore, we have to assume that, it, that the minimum Shir for this Chomesh is a Kazayis. However, Abishal looks at the end of the Pasuk, as we mentioned. Abishal, my time, what's the reason? Amakrav V'Nasan. V'Nasan is always referring to some monetary transaction. The minimum Shir for a monetary transaction is a, is a Pruta, right? It says the Gemara, Pruta. A monetary transaction is from the Sina Pachat Meshavah Pruta. So the Gemara now explains, V'Idach Nami. So how are these Tanaim going to resolve each other's references, right? It says Yochal and it says Vinasan. So why did they pick one or the other? Let's see. So the Gemara, who prat the Mazakud also, right? The Pasuk of a Yochal is trying to exclude a person whose damages, um, uh, right, exclude a Pater Chomesh, a person who has less than a Kazais. In other words, he's saying that, yeah, you have to be high if it's true, but you can't not be high unless you have uh, less than, uh, as much as the Kazais. Okay, even Tanakama, actually Vinasan, but Tanakama has to deal with the fact, so that makes more sense because that's a larger shear. But how does the Tanakama Make uh, reconcile the fact that it says Venasan, which is the smallest share of Shavapruta. So the Gemara answers, Ahu, mi kodesh. That's a separate idea that you have to, this is the idea we said before, that you have to repay with something that can't become Kodesh. That's, remember, you might recall, uh, we said a few minutes ago, is how we know that you can't repay back with Chomets of Trumas Chomets on Pesach. So now we're at the two dots in the middle of the page, Tanarabana, we have a few minutes. Let's make them count. Interesting hybrid cheetah. If you eat less than a kazais, you have to repay the principal as any Gazan would, right? Because you did, in fact, right, do that damage. But you're not high for so that sounds like, right, like Abishal, um, that you only have to pay um, when, when it's, I'm sorry, it sounds like the Tanakama that says that you only have to pay once you've eaten a kazais. What's this case? Right? If it was less than a Shavapruta, then certainly you don't have to pay Karen or the Chomish because that's not considered significant. If you hold, right, like Abishal, certainly, then if it's Shavapruta, then you also have to pay the right Chomish. The Gemara explains, Olam, the Shavapruta, came to Right? So the Gemara is saying, no, actually the Bryce is talking about the case where you ate Shavapruta and still you don't have to pay the Chomish because you didn't eat a Kazais. That sounds like the Tanakama. So the Gemara is going to say, no, Amra Rabban Kameh Papa. This was one in front of Rav Papa. And we say, Hadalok Abashol. And, and, right, and it made it sound like Abashol, who says that, that as long as, that once it's a Shavar Pruta, you have to pay Chomesh, sounds like this price knocks him out. Because Abashol was the one that says once it's a Shavar Pruta, you have to pay Chomesh. And this price makes it sound like you don't pay Chomesh unless you've eaten a Kazais. So, right, it's the Ik, Abashol, Amr Kameh Shish Shavar Pruta, Afal Gav the Lace Bay Kazais. Right, or Abishol's sheet that was as long that it was a Shavar Pruta, you'd have to pay Chomish. So Amr Lu Papa, this is his breakfast we've been talking about Rav Papa, he was the peacemaker, right? This is one of the 11 spots in Shas, where he tries to reconcile. He says, Afilo Tema Abishol, that's why we mentioned him at all the, at all the Siyumim. Afilo Tema Abishol, Abishol Tartei Boi. Abishol actually, even if you hold like him, that you need a Shavar Pruta, it's actually that, not that he holds that it needs to be a Shavar Pruta and not a Kazais, it's because he holds both, Tartei Boi, that has to be a Kazais and a Shavar Pruta. However, we refute Rav Papa here. When we buy Abishal Tarti, does he really need both a Kazais and a Shavar Pruta? V'hatanya, Abishal Omer, Eshyesh B'Shavar Pruta Chayi B'Tashlumim, Eshyein Nebo Shavar Pruta, Eino Chayi B'Tashlumim. Wow, Abishal explicitly said it's not Chayi B'Tashlumim unless it's a Shavar Pruta, and Amr lo, lo Amr Shavar Pruta, Ela L'Inyin Me'ila Bilvad, Aval L'Truma, Eino Chayi B'Tashlumim, Eino Chayi B'Tashlumim. So when Abishal said this, the Rabbanan and Beis Medrash said to him, wait a minute, that's true with regards to paying back Me'ila. But how about Truma? The idea of Truma has the Pasuk, as we said, of Chomish. And that you shouldn't be chayv until you eat a Kazais, right, Abishal? 
Now, if Abishol did in fact require both conditions in order to pay back Truma of Chomesh, then he would have said so. But why does he say, Kevan Shiyeshbo Kezayis Mi Then the people who talked to him would have raised a different objection. This is just a semantics, in other words. They would have, instead of acknowledge, instead of right, pointing out that there's no Kezayis here, they would have acknowledged that there was a Kezayis here. In other words, Abishol says, right, that you're Eno Chayvet So they, instead of saying that there's no Kezayis here, they would acknowledge that there was. The fact that they said that there was no Kazais is a proof that Abishal holds that you do not need a Kazais in order to be Chayv Chomesh, and he sticks, not like where Papa tried to reconcile, but he sticks with the Pasuk of Nasan to say that you're Chayv Chomesh and Truma only once it's a, a Shavar Pruta. And so we end over here, 13 lines up from the bottom, on Lamed Beis, Lamed Beis.